going to adjust the length of my scripture just a little bit. Uh, shorter, not longer. Uh, from John 12, I will be reading verses 20 through uh, 26. If you'd like to follow along, I don't have it up on the, on the screen today. <clears throat> Beginning at verse 20 of John 12, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast of Passover were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. May God bless the hearing of his word. This passage comes immediately after the account of Jesus' triumphal entry. That passage that we usually review and commemorate on Palm Sunday in John's Gospel. That comes in verse 12 right after Jesus' anointing by Mary when he goes to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus in Bethany. From there he goes to Jerusalem and rides in on a donkey. So beginning the events of Holy Week in John's Gospel. The, the feast of Passover, which they were preparing to celebrate that Thursday, drew huge crowds to Jerusalem where the temple was. But the account of Lazarus being raised right before that provided an even heightened fervor than would usually exist just during the Feast of Passover, this, this very nationalistic celebration where they were remembering God's deliverance of their ancestors from Egypt. So think of all of these things coming together all at the same time. This, this nationalism, this, this hope of what could occur in the future, and then Jesus having raised Lazarus. All of it combining in Jesus riding into Jerusalem and the people celebrating. In verse 19, just before where we started, the Pharisees are gathering and talking about the popularity that Jesus is experiencing. And they say the whole world, <laughs> a little bit of a hyperbole, but the whole world has gone after him. What they're saying is Jesus' amount of public popularity was at an all-time high. I mean, it is kind of supported in terms of the world and the Greeks coming to Jesus right after that is said. 
These were likely proselytites to Judaism, so Gentiles who had converted to Judaism, who were there to celebrate the Passover, and they asked for an audience with Jesus. Can you imagine the excitement spreading through the air? The donkey ride, the, the people, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the whispers about, about Lazarus, the, 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 the underlying sense that, that, the, that the planets are aligning, and right at the time of Passover, God will deliver them again from the hands of Rome. And then Jesus utters the words, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Can you imagine what the disciples thought was coming next. Finally, finally, after three years of ministry and kind of itinerant, you know, uh, uh, kind of the backcountry ministry, some of it public, some of it more, uh, more private, some, some of the events very notable, the feeding of the 5,000, and then he walked on water, but only the disciples really saw that. And they're kind of back and forth in terms of when Jesus will really take his place as king and he says the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified surely they thought that the roman oppression would be overthrown the corruption of the temple system would be set right and prayers of multiple generations were being answered in the person of jesus <laughs> and then like he does over and over again in the gospels just when you think just when you think Jesus is going to, to, to take his place. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then he says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What? Huh? He, 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 goes, from, he goes from these words of glorification to literally an agricultural event that no one can see when wheat is planted. The term son of man, which Jesus used to refer to himself in this passage, had become something of a key term in messianic judaism it had its roots in daniel the apocalyptic prophecy noted in the book of daniel it was juxtaposed or contrasted in daniel to being unlike unlike savage and cruel destruction and power that was uh, power that was expressed via force or strength to be gentle and gracious through Jesus' ministry, we've seen in John's gospel, crowds portrayed as welcoming his message and longing for his miracles, as if standing on tiptoes to welcome and herald his arrival. And just when they thought, just when they thought his arrival was finally going to, to, to be expressed in its, in its full glory, they realized Jesus' definition of glorified, this, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, was so much different than their own. Rather than the kingdoms of earth being subjugated to his power, Jesus indicated that his glory 
would be displayed in death. He was not going to be lifted up and crowned king. He would be lifted up from the earth on a cross and glorified, glorified as a convicted criminal sentenced to death. His conquest would come not in terms of overpowering the enemy with might, but by death, by sacrifice. And Jesus went on to explain in that passage that to be his follower, to walk in the steps of this glorification, you have to spend your life to find it. And then, if anyone would serve him, they should follow him. Now, our knowledge of Scripture makes clear what following Jesus entails. It means, as we'll see in the, in the passage that follows, passages that follow, beginning really in John 13, as Jesus gathers with his disciples in his upper room for this extended portion of teaching, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet, and where Jesus says, the greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends and Jesus displays both in his words and in his actions the life of a servant the glorification the, 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 the mile marker of, of glorification on the path of following Jesus is that of servanthood he told his disciples that he who would be the greatest must be servant of all the way of Jesus in each of the four Gospels, but maybe especially John, maybe especially John in this last third of the book or so, the way of Jesus is not popularity or public excitement. It's not a life without suffering and pain. We'll be challenged over these next about 10 weeks as we wrap up this Gospel by Jesus' final teaching to his disciples in the hours that led up to his arrest and his trial and his crucifixion. We'll be reminded again that the church Jesus left is not one, not one of, of bright lights and thrills. Instead, that the church that Jesus instituted is one of faithful service in lives spent serving him by serving others. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces a large crop. The hour that had come for the Son of Man in his glorification was one of self-sacrifice and service. I was thinking about that in terms of our own lives. At times, life does not go as we would expect or even hope. At times, we are wanting certain outcomes. And we believe another outcome would be counterintuitive to a life of glorification. Let me tell you about a man of whom this was true. He's thought to be one of the most influential theologians of the 20th century. This is a picture of him right here. To say he was brilliant would be an understatement. He graduated with highest honors from the University of Berlin, Berlin in 1927. 
obviously in 1927 maybe there were the first little sparks of what would come about in terms of Germany and their leadership in the late 30s early 40s but he took up the cause of theology and battled for the church to embrace a faith that impacted the whole world the goal was to change the world by the power of Christ. He ended up traveling to New York for further studies and then took a church in London due to ongoing and, and uh, escalating unrest in Germany. He began writing and published a variety of books on theology and church. He decided that his calling, though, was to assist ministers in Germany. He began to teach at a seminary there, which was later closed by the Nazis. He then secretly traveled from village to village, training ministers in a more unofficial, informal capacity. <coughs> he would eventually return to the United States as a guest scholar at Union Theological Seminary in New York. But again, he, he felt the need to return to help his, his fellow countrymen who were under Nazi rule. He could have stayed. Could have stayed in the U.S. Could have had impact for decades in his writing and teaching, but he returned to Germany and discovered his brother was, assist, uh, was assisting a group trying to overthrow Adolf Hitler. He would soon be arrested for his own association and, the, and assistance with those involved in the plot. Even in prison, he continued to teach and write. He was executed three weeks before Berlin was, li was liberated. His writings and theology today are thought to be classics. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And within that book is a sentence. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. You know, maybe, maybe some of us will face the same politically motivated death that Bonhoeffer did. Maybe. In terms of the population of the world, it's unlikely, isn't it? It's more likely that rather than such a dramatic story, our call to come and die, bidden by Christ, to follow him, to follow him in his path to glory, will be to offer ourselves for the use of Jesus each day. This daily presentation of our lives, of our hearts, of all that we have to be offered in the service of Jesus. May we do so faithfully. Amen.